You got like two Why? pages okay. worth. Okay, I have four pages worth. Four pages are okay. <laughs> let's buckle in, folks. We're here for a long time. <laughs> no, some of them are just not important. Anyway. back to another episode of is fitz happy i'm luke and i'm emma and today we have our last episode of assassin's apprentice we're discussing yeah. the epilogue exciting stuff yeah it's a one page thing here and then we will be discussing the book as a whole <laughs> and questions and just our thoughts on that yeah so it starts out here as a wrap up. We're once again back in our zoomed back view of this world. We're no <laughs> longer in the story that Old Fitz is telling. We are Old Fitz. Yes. Uh, and old, I mean like 26 years old. <laughs> he, he's not only 26, is he? I think so. Wow, he acts so old. He he finishes the Assassin's Quest at like 20 or 21, I think. And then it's... He has Hap at this point, so he could be older. He could be, like, late 20s, but he's not 30 yet, I don't think. Yeah, not that 30 is old either, but, right. like, the but way it, he acts is more like you would think he he was, well, like... Tawny Man starts... Ugh. Is he 35 at Tawny Man, or is he 30? This would have been a good thing for me to look up before we started. True. But, uh, if he's 35, then he might be around 30 right now. Hmm. Weird. Yeah. Maybe he just thinks he's so old because he's still young and like, well, he's I also mean, been through a lot. <laughs> yeah. He also has like residual headaches and seizures right. and That's, scars from hey, being tortured. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, he, uh, he is shaken out of a reverie of thinking by Hap. It just mm-hmm. says my boy. So mm-hmm. first time readers, you don't know if he had a son because later on he mentions you know, the curl of a woman's hair on his pillow as well. And uh-huh. You think from his descriptions of himself and his pain that he's, you know, 80 years old at this point or something. Um, really aged. Yeah, this is his adopted son, Hap, Miss Hap. Um, mm. And he uh, kind of stops fits from writing because he's not really doing anything. And he's just letting ink smear across the page and trickle down the parchment at this point. And that sends Fitz off into another... Uh, a reverie, basically, um, another daydream Flashback. about and flashbacks, yeah, uh, about different things that have happened but have not yet happened in the book that we just read. Yeah, um, it's a very clever way to foreshadow what might right. happen next book. Right. Um, There's one that could have possibly happened, and I think did, and that's like uh, the poison. Yeah, poison swirling and unfurling yellowly in a simple glass of water. Poison I had handed someone, smiling all the while. But the other ones, uh, trickle of drying blood on the deck of a red ship, and mine the hand that spilled it, tendril of smoke rising black against a blue sky as I rode too late to warn a village of a red ship raid, the artless curl of a strand of woman's hair left on my pillow, trail of a man's heels left in the sand as we dragged the bodies from the smoldering tower at Seal Bay, or the track of a tear down a mother's cheek as she clutched her forged infant to her despite his angry cries. All of those things, I think, mostly happen next book. 
Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. And I wanted to ask, do, did we ever get like a close-up view of the scene at Seal Bay? Like what happened there? Because I know we get uh, the fight at Antler Island. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember Seal Bay at all. I don't specifically offhand without going to read it remember much in my memory bank that I'm pulling from. Um, I think of it as more of a rage that he induces and pushes the reader out much the same way as he pushes out Verity from skilling with him in the battle. Yeah. Um, So he kind of just skims over it. Yeah. Like there's definitely a battle happening, but like details aren't there. Um, which is another clever thing done because, you know, it's hard to talk about war yeah, or I was just fighting. Curious if you like remembered specifically Seal Bay. Isn't there like a song about it? Isn't That's that, Antler Island. That is Antler Island? Yep. Okay, I was going to say, I thought there was a song about it, but yeah. no, I don't know. I thought the Seal Bay song was like about how he's a beast or something. It was like a negative song about him. That's the Antler Island one. Mm. There's another battle there. Right. And um, they got there as uh, they, was... the Red Ship Raiders were assaulting the tower at like the watchtower right, there. Right. And they kind of crashed up against them. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's Antler Island. Um, all right, so yeah, he kind of goes into another little flashback, and Hap shakes him out again and says, you should rest. And he was just, <laughs> Fitz is like, I realize I am sitting, staring at a line of ink on a page. It makes no sense. <laughs> Here is another sheet spoiled, another effort to set aside. And he's, at this point, it's at the end of the trilogy, he has mm-hmm. partially forged himself by putting a lot of his pain and bad memories into Girl on a Dragon. Mm-hmm. And without those memories, he's depressed and can't feel much. He's just apathetic to a lot of things because he doesn't have that growth. He doesn't have the ability to feel as deeply without that pain. Yeah. It's literally that Pixar movie. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, oh no. I know it. Uh, Joy. I'm just like picturing her, but what is it called? Inside Out. Inside uh-huh. Out. There you go. Yeah. I knew I'd figure it out. Without those core memories, you know? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's literally the same thing. You can't, you can't grow as a person and continue to live normally with, by getting rid of half of what you're feeling. Yeah. And I also like the use of another effort to set aside because we do see the end of this trilogy as Fitz setting aside almost everything in his life yeah and like walking away from everything he has a bad habit (laughs) of setting things aside instead of finishing them which is not always the best call to make (laughs) shows up repeatedly in all of the histories he tries to make and stuff Mm -hmm. and he says gather all of them up and there's a bunch of sheets of paper lying in front of him that Hap all kind of haphazardly puts into his arms <laughs> and i thought that was kind of a funny choice of words there uh-huh. um but they're a hodgepodge they're history maps musings um probably some of the history that we read mm-hmm. um there's probably illustrations of different herbs and things on there too and he never he starts everything but he never finishes them like yeah like you said like it's just it's really interesting something to set aside but uh, this part right here 
really interested me, actually. Um, the pain is back, and it would be so easy to quiet it. But that way lies madness, as has been proven so many times before me. What is he talking about there? When I first read it, I was like, oh, he just wants to kill himself. Uh, but no, that's not what he's talking about, because that has been proven by turning the people who try to fix the pain, by turning them mad. Is he, I have a couple options here. Is he one talking about, I was talking about like dying. Is he just speaking of dying to escape the pain? Uh -huh. um, and I don't think it's that. Is he talking about skilling to escape his body, to look in on Molly and torture himself that way, mm -hmm. and turn him like his mind against his own thoughts and everything like that? Yeah. Or using the wit to go into Night Eyes to escape his body. Oh. Like I came down to basically using his magics to escape from reality of who he is and what he's doing. Interesting. Did you think of I, anything else of what that could have been? or My initial thought was that he was going to go into the Skill River. Okay, yeah. Um, that he was just going to waste away. And it's madness because somehow he always gets stopped. Um, but also it like has a negative, pretty negative effect on him every time um, that he goes too far. But um, I don't know. I kind of, once you like point out that there might be deeper meaning, I was wondering if it's maybe like, giving up his memories to the stone mm. dragons. He knows where they are. Yeah. He could get there if he wanted to. But that way lies madness, as has been proven so many times before me. Mm, like, it's fair. I guess the madness of Girl on a Dragon, how she was never finished, how one person was selfish. Yeah, I just figured like pain, like the pain of memories, and if I didn't have to remember them, it'd be great. But it turns you into shell of human like Verity was yeah. before they helped him true um, but also maybe not cause Night Eyes stops him oops spoiler <laughs> oh no um, spoiler in like a half a paragraph yeah um, but yeah I guess the pain could be mental and memories I was thinking specifically uh, physical pain because he later calls for a tea of carry me mm -hmm. um and that is a painkiller so i was thinking physical immediately in my head and i was thinking of ways that you could escape or stop physical pain and become mad and i wasn't i couldn't really think of anything besides maybe using magic yeah i just think losing yourself in the skill river yeah because he's not i don't think that'd be mad he wants to do that a couple times He's like, it'd be so easy and nice mm -hmm. to let go. I'd be comforted here. But and he always remembers the like responsibilities he has. He's always like held back. He yeah. can't ever truly go under. Like, whether that's a flaw or a good thing, I don't know. But it seems to me like every time he gets sucked in, he there's something keeping him from unraveling fully. And, and like, yeah, I don't know. I guess the madness he could be talking about is if like people who let their minds go into the mm -hmm. skill river are kind of vegetables. Yeah. Then, but I, it doesn't perfectly fit in my brain, so I I don't know. I'm just I feel like there's a couple options, but none of them are exactly yeah lining up well. 
maybe it's supposed to be something that we learned later and then got taken out in edits. True. Like more detail about the skill in some way. But unless we'll we're both know. missing something very obvious. Yes. <laughs> Which I'm sure everyone will let us know if we are. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he sends Hap to make a tea of two leaves of carry me, ginger root, and peppermint. I wonder if one day I will ask him to fetch three leaves of that cheered and herb. Somewhere a friend says softly, no. And I'm, I'm just sitting here like, two leaves of this for a tea? Uh-huh. It's one for pain, like two for a deep sleep, and three for death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And his, like, casual, like, ah, it's kind of hurting is two leaves. Yeah. Would three even, like, kill him at that point? Is he built up that much of a tolerance? I don't... Is he passing out right after this? I don't know. I don't think you can build up that much of a tolerance, could you? I mean, maybe... Iocane powder. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I guess... I mean... Maybe the pain version doesn't work anymore. Maybe he is building up tolerance and he could take three and it would just put him to sleep or something. Yeah, I Yeah, I don't know. But, but maybe this tea is meant to make him sleep. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, if he's in that much pain, it'd probably be hard to sleep. True. And also maybe it's hard for him to sleep anyway, just from like his life experience yeah. <laughs> keeping him up. So uh, I don't know. Old, not even midlife fits. Yeah. I was about to say it could be midlife fits. We don't know, but we do know, and it's not. (laughs) (laughs) True, true. You never know when it's your midlife crisis, so just have an ongoing life crisis. (laughs) Anything else to say about the epilogue? I think that pretty much covers it. Well, we get our introduction to our favorite favorite wit companion, at least mine, Night Eyes. What a good pup. Yeah, <laughs> another good pup. <laughs> if it's a dog, it's, it's they're all just good pups, you know. Yeah, but I, this epilogue, like you said, really does foreshadow a lot of what's going to come in the next book, and it's a great way of doing it because mm-hmm. it's it's not something that you um, are expecting because it's framed like he's such an old man. You're like, oh, this is sometime in his life, uh-huh. and this story is going to pick up yeah. right after this, so we don't know. But right. Well, it's a I think it's a really good tool to take your mind back away from the wedding that just happened because yeah, yeah. for so long, I mean, there's so much happened in these last couple chapters that a reader could potentially forget the red ships are that big of a deal. I mean, it does still mention them throughout the chapters, but really you're thinking about Regal and this like, oh my goodness, what's going on with the kingdom? Like, there's some hierarchy problems going on here. They tried to kill and, Verity. Yeah, they, like what's going on yeah. with that vein? And then it has to like readjust your field of vision to be like, yeah, that's like a big deal, but also there's a war about to happen and there's about to be some battles and some love. And <laughs> yeah, red ships are mentioned like three times in this epilogue and forging is mentioned once as well, mm-hmm. like all within the space of like a paragraph. Yeah. I think it's a really useful way to get your mind back on the things that you may have set aside for the drama of the wedding. Right. And just like a good way to be like, okay, so next chapter is not going to touch very much on what you just read because there are bigger things at play. So. Yeah, definitely. Very smart way to do it. Good, <laughs> good writing. 
All right, we're going to, I think, jump right into the whole book. Yeah. We kind of finished this up, and I, before we ask, like, general questions and hop around, I just want to kind of go back and forth here on our general thoughts on the book, like, where does it sit in our favorites and, and what you think of the book as a singular piece of literature is. Um, first of all, I want to say that it's dedicated to her cats. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> Love that. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, we start fits off at six years old. We end at 15 years old. Mm -hmm. So nine years of his life has passed here and his story is just getting sadder. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, But this book is not like your typical fantasy book, mainly because it's so character driven Mm -hmm. and a lot of the conflicts and the plots come from social and emotional manipulation and the way you were raised rather Mm -hmm. than external forces. I mean, there are external forces like the Red Ship Raiders and and things like that, but that more comes into play later. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of set up in this book. A lot of this book is very, very subtle, and um, I can see how people wouldn't really like it. Uh, That's fair. There's not a ton of action. Yeah. I mean, there's a little bit, but... That's one of the issues, too, Um, I, I said it's different than like your typical fantasy book, but it shares a, a commonality with a lot of them, mm-hmm. and that's pacing issues. <laughs> um, a lot of fantasy books are very slow in the beginning because they have that huge exposition drop. There's a build up and whatever. And you have to build the world. Yeah, and you have to build out the world. Give the reader the expectations. I think need. Robin Hobb has a similar issue, but for different reasons. Okay. For this book particularly. Mm-hmm. And that's because we're following a six-year-old boy for the beginning part. Like, there's nothing <laughs> happening, yeah. really. It, it's very, it feels very slow to me, and I love this book, and I love this series, and this is mm-hmm. one of my favorites because we get an introduction to a lot of things. Um, and I do love all the characters that are in this and the plots that are in this. But the beginning is very slow if you're just reading it traditionally. Mm-hmm. There's not much happening something kind of interesting happens and fits breeze by breezes by it in like a sentence and goes <laughs> on to the next thing. Uh-huh. And it's really really weird. It feels like this book wasn't supposed to be a book and the whole thing is kind of the whole first trilogy is one long story that Robin Hobb is telling and she's like, "Oh, I have to chop this into 3. This seems like a good length mm. to chop it off at." Because the pacing is so slow, and then the last, like, four chapters, everything happens. <laughs> yeah, and you get, like, a short little thing summing it up for over two months, and uh-huh. then it's done. So I think that that's where, like, some of the pacing issues come in for me. I love everything that happens, but, like, there's, there's two climaxes in this, almost, and one is, like, the forged ones. And yeah. it's in, like, the Galen skill test. And then the second one is this, and it just feels off almost. Like I, it makes me want to keep reading, which is an excellent job on her part, um, because like I just want to continue on. So I guess the pacing works in some way. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but uh, yeah, I just want to sum it up. I, I do love this book, um, and I think like since everything is so character driven and stuff i just want a little bit more of the world building aspects Mm. of fantasy um i don't read a ton of first person literature 
and I just want a little bit more fits. Like, nice. be a little bit more observant of your world <laughs> in general yeah. for a lot of things. But I, I come from like the Wheel of Time school where Robert Jordan is, uh, some say, entirely too long winded about descriptions of the world <laughs> and cultures and yeah. what their people are wearing and things like that. I just want some more fleshing out of that. Mm. But otherwise, I love the book. Yeah. I really like this book. I wouldn't say it's like in my top five of the book series as a whole. That's fair, yeah. Um, I do enjoy it, though. Um, this was my first ever um, adult fantasy book series. Well, I guess technically I read Lord of the Rings, um, but that was like for class, not like for enjoyment. Right. Um, so You did enjoy it, though. I did More enjoy it. I thought you were going to. <laughs> yes, I, I had to be forced to read it for a class and then ended up liking it. But... <laughs> I don't, I'm not typically in my spare time a adult fiction reader. Um, I typically stick to YA or classics. And so I think I was a little nervous starting this book because one, I'm a female and typically male driven narratives aren't super interesting to me. Right. I just some uh, usually it's written by a male author, granted, and I feel like there's just some sort of disconnect with me just because I don't personally like understand some of the decisions made. Um, but I think this book did a really good job of keeping me interested, even if there were points or like where it was like, oh, I would never do something like that. It's still <laughs> all of us <laughs> when thinking about fits. Like. <laughs> yes, it was still a good character. I was still more interested in the character as a character and not like constantly reminded of the gender of the character and how that plays a huge role into the difference of what I'm reading into it versus what you would be reading into it. And right. so um, I just really enjoy this book from that standpoint of opening the door to me to try more adult fiction and male narratives in the future. Um, so I do appreciate this book for that reason. Um, on the whole, it is kind of slow. There's not a ton happening, but I'm okay with that in the first book of any series, just because as long as there's something that's interesting that, you know, is going to happen later, I'm okay with it being a little slow. Um, but I can see how that would like turn certain people off to, right, of yeah. the book. Like, obviously, not every book is for every person. I think um, Live Ship is more like a traditional start of mm -hmm. a fantasy. Yeah, and I but found I it... Wouldn't, I wouldn't tell people to start at Live Ship, <laughs> but yeah, definitely it is don't more... Do that, but yeah. It is good, yeah. No, but I definitely think, like, compared to her other works, this is pretty middle ground. I'm happy with it. Like, not all the actions, obviously, but... As a general sense, I'm happy with the book. Um, I don't know. It's been really interesting to read a book for my own personal pleasure deeply to actually like look at the craft and look at look at what's being talked about and look for threads of things that are being started now that are going to continue throughout, um, which I haven't done since being in college <laughs> and yeah. have never done. You took for a few personal. years off. Yeah. Yeah. So I haven't ever done that with like a personal book. I, I haven't done this in since yeah. I was in high school, I think. <laughs> and that's been 10 years. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. No, but this definitely does give me the same feel as like when I was reading some of like some older classics um, in school, just with the craftsmanship level, I guess. And maybe that's because I come from a YA background where sometimes the books are like 
good concept wise, but writing wise is a little lacking. Oh, Emma gets super <laughs> mad if she's like reading a book. She has to like get all of them if she kind of somewhat likes it because she uh-huh. needs to know how it ends. She gets super mad if she's like, this world and this idea is so good. Why can't the author write? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, you know, and I understand that like sometimes writing is geared towards the younger population which makes it you know less good (laughs) in some ways to older readers but you know I don't know I just think this is a really good piece of work I think there's some really good examples of like poetry language that is beautifully done um the imagery is done really well it's not overdone either no um I wish there was more of it personally (laughs) but am I okay with the lack of. Um, I yeah. think it makes it better when you come across it that way. Um, I don't know. I'm just... It's definitely more frustrating on a reread. Um, just because I know all the moving pieces and I know what yeah. to look for. And so it makes it even more obvious how little Fitz is paying attention. I think that's my biggest um, frustration with this book. Is just Fitz not asking any questions ever. I wish that he would ask more questions or that we could even just get a like third third person point of view to understand more of the world. I feel like we're left yeah. with so many questions, although not having answers to all the questions does make for a richer talk and more like a better fandom because then we can kind of all mold the experience to ourselves. Right. It's much easier to do, which is good. It's just sometimes I wish I had more answers. Yeah, I wish I had just like a little bit more. Just give it a framework for mm-hmm. our discussions. Even. even if it was like the blurbs were in somebody else's point of view from something that happened in the previous chapter right. or something that's about to happen, I would love that. Just like even if it's not a full chapter in Shrewd's head, I would love to know what's going on in Shrewd's head. Just anything, just some motivations, <laughs> something to like base off other yeah. things. Yeah, that would be it awesome. Is, it is a really interesting way to go about a world being limited to one person's point of view especially because later we get books in the series that are from multiple people Mm -hmm. and so she can write in multiple point of views well yes she just is making a very conscious decision and so i think it's it must just like there has to be some reason behind it it's definitely not on not on accident so but it is still frustrating. <laughs> so we finished this book. Um, who's your favorite character out of just this book, considering mm. the book as a whole? Only thinking about this book. Yep. Not where they end up. Mm. My gut wants to say Rurisk, but that's just recency bias because we've <laughs> covered him for the last while and how cool he is. Yeah. Um, Fitz, yes, but he's too easy to say almost and it's too frustrating to read sometimes yeah Uh, and it's hard to get my like this is what happens out of my head when i'm reading about fits yeah that's fair um i want to say patience but i don't know if that's Mm. because i know how cool she's going to be um because she's just the coolest but also i mean she came to a castle that she did not want to be at like she was not a proper lady in any sense she came there to make sure Fitz was okay and she's in Fitz's corner in a way that no other character really is or has been up until this point in his life and I just really appreciate having 
somebody who, as eccentric as she is, cares about Fitz in a way that we don't get to see other people care about him. I don't think uh, we know that Patience is reluctant and does not like court yet. Do we? I think I think that comes later through other insights. That's fair. We We just know that she's eccentric and not like the same as other (laughs) nobles. That's fair. Well, I mean, she stayed away this long. Yeah. So, but that's fair. I don't. I wouldn't have known that. But other than that, yeah. Yeah. No, I just really like her as a character and what she brings to the table. But I, if I had have to pick based off just this book and like if I think that maybe patience is a little bit of a bias I guess Chade that was one of my two I think at this point he hasn't done anything too bad that I know of in this in the context of this book (laughs) I mean he's probably murdered some people but as far as we know who hasn't honestly in this book As far as we know, they were enemies to the kingdom, like probably all terrible people. Yep. Um, and or not. M- maybe not, but he also has a really funny alter ego in <laughs> Lady, Lady Time. Time. True. <laughs> that's known for smelling bad. Like, what a great character. He's just so interesting as a character. Mm-hmm. And I don't get angry at him for his choices in this book most of the time. The other person I was going to say besides Jade would be Verity. And that's me. Like we don't get much in the beginning of the books. We mm-hmm. we see him a couple times, and he's like this jovial guy. That's not really what I'm concerned about. It's the the couple conversations with Fitz afterwards. The one yeah. with the conversation with Shrewd and Verity and Fitz at the breakfast table, mm-hmm. where Verity and Shrewd have that argument. It really brings out like what he's feeling, uh-huh. which is something that's really interesting. And then. Um, the skilling, like the climax of the book here at the end and how he talks to like Ketrakin and everything like that. Um, it brings a depth to his character in this book that, um, we don't really see in a lot of the other ones because we can actually like look inside of his mind. Yeah. (laughs) Points with fits. (laughs) That's fair. But I think Chade too takes the cake for me Mm. just cause we spend the most time of him out of, you know, yeah. the other people besides Fitz. And right. and he's, he does cool things. He does cool things. He's know? understanding of Fitz. He never, he's like, shuns him. That. Yeah. <laughs> Teaches him to dance for meat. He, like, hides in the walls. Like, come yeah. on. He's, he's a cool guy. He's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, actually, I think my favorite person is uh, Galen. So... I was I was debating about saying Regal as a favorite character because mm-hmm. he is very interesting as a character. I feel like if I was gonna pick Regal as a favorite, it'd be next book. Yeah, because yeah, he's way say, more like, fleshed out next book. We and, don't get a, yeah. enough of him in this one, so I he's was like, just, I can't really. So the last couple chapters where he's like being a little drama queen is really good, and I love it, <laughs> even though I like hate him. But just embrace it at this I, point. Like, go with I it. I love when villains are overly dramatic. I just think it's very entertaining. 10 Mirror's out of 10. Mirror's real life over here. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what was your uh, favorite theory that we discussed? Ooh. Mine, okay, mine, to give you a little time to think, I'll just kind of say in here, was uh, our whole discussion on Ida and L and their origins um yeah. particularly about 
like that they could have been dragons to begin with. Yeah. And then also in conjunction with that, the pocked man's origins and what he could have possibly been. I thought we had a, like a really awesome discussion around there. Yeah. So I think um, Ida and L as a dragon or dragons is yeah. my favorite. But. I guess I've really enjoyed our talks on hypothesizing when wit versus skill is being used. Mm, yeah. Um, it's super hard to tell. We just need a little bit more context, Robin Hobbs. Just a little bit more. And it's hard because Fitz doesn't know, and that's true. That actually, makes it really like even harder to tell for us. Um, so I think those conversations have been a lot of fun. Um, I don't know. I can't. I can't think of any else. But I, off the top of my head, there's been so many. <laughs> um, but speaking of Ida and L. I did have a question for you about them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as we all know, the Pock Man warned the six duchies that because of their devotion to Ida and laziness, people of L were going to come attack them. Right. Um, which is like loosely... And we uh, hypothesized that might yes. be why Taker went. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. Right. And so I'm just wondering, so the six duchies people seem to think that that... Uh, this is the case. I mean, it's even said at one point by one of the villagers that um, the red ship raiders are a punishment from L. Yeah. Um, it's like a, a widely thought thing. But the, my thing is, don't the red ship raiders subscribe to a matriarchal society? So therefore, wouldn't they be more likely to be worshiping Ida more? I mean... The mother house, it's all about the woman. And, and Ida and Elle are so, like, distinctly man and woman in this society. And in Islander culture, mother house is the end-all, be-all. If you offend a mother house, you could be killed or exiled for it. And it's, like, the biggest disgrace to offend a mother's house. So how is it that L, this masculine god figure the soul god of a people who are so matriarchal and i don't i don't know i don't think l is the soul god over there and i feel like this it evolved because we know so l was probably their first like big worshiping Mm -hmm. you know deity or whatever and we know from the origin stories that people eventually settled on land and expanded and so started worshiping Ida as well. Um, but we also know that the mother houses kind of became sacred because the the men of the tribes needed to go out on the water to, you know, fish, to raid, yeah. to hunt, whatever. So, like, as a society, in order to survive and not destroy each other... They needed to have that as like neutral sacred ground, basically. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's how they, the women became like the leaders because they were untouchable, basically, in the society. Yeah. So I feel like L was traditional and it's still rules and that's still the main identity of the people. Mm. But like, I don't, I don't know. And maybe the general people don't know that it's a matriarchal society they just know that they're at sea and hunting which is more of l's domain yeah because it seems like the sea is l yeah so maybe they just assume 
It's a, I just thought it was interesting that there's so much emphasis on like, this is L's like anger towards us mm-hmm. for abandoning him rather than like at some other explanation just from, I don't know yeah. my point of view, but interesting. Okay. So my next question for you is, do you think Chade spies on everyone all the time? <laughs> <laughs> like uh, specifically in the Royal family? No, because he seems like he's incredibly busy and tired all the time. Um, so I think he's like reading, doing his spy like network stuff mm-hmm. and organizing them and trying to follow up leads. If he has spare time, I'm sure he he goes to people that he feels like might be doing something interesting. He probably ignores Verity because he's skilling all the time. Regal, he probably tries to find once in a while. But he probably knows important meetings or things going on because of his spy network mm-hmm. and then will make a point to go to there. And if it involves the royal family, he probably prioritizes it a little bit. Interesting. Okay. So in that vein, do you think that Shrewd knew about Regal's dallying with a married woman? Or do you think that was all Jade acting on his own from spy network information? And you're talking about when they, the Dukes are coming in for that meeting, right? Yes. So this is when the Dukes come in for the meeting and Regal is meeting up secretly with that uh, Duke's wife to try to get her to push against yeah. raising taxes. Um, and Fitz intercepts a note from her. I don't... Regal think Chade would act alone on things of diplomacy like that um i think he he and trude would talk about it i think that whole idea might have been shade's idea to begin with and like what to do mm-hmm. but i think he would have gotten the okay from shrewd that's just my feelings on it though yeah. uh, what about you well i'm not sure because if shrewd was involved why does he suddenly not care to find out what Regal is doing to, like, harm the king or the kingdom? And if Shrewd wasn't involved, why doesn't Chade know to warn Fitz before going into the wedding that something's going on and Regal's plotting something? He just doesn't well, know what Did that happen before Queen Desire died? That was before the death of Queen Desire, yes. So that's where all the blame came, like went to, I'm guessing, for Shrewd. It's like, oh, my wife is manipulating our son to do this for her. Hmm, interesting. I was wondering if that could potentially be the case. But he loves her, though. So yeah, how come yeah, his love does. for her doesn't blind him to her misdeeds, but it I mean, blinds... It's what, like 20 years of marriage? To- <laughs> <laughs> There's to no such thing as divorce in this. woman, yeah. <laughs> The society doesn't believe in divorce, so <laughs> he's stuck. Years of hearing her say, I'm more royal than you, and our son is better than your other sons. <laughs> but he believes the second. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, you're right. Regal is better than all my kids, but you're not. Well, he wasn't better than chivalry, just yeah. better than Verity. <laughs> no, because he did start disliking chivalry after he made the mistake of having fits. Yeah. And also married patience. That lowered him in his standing. Yeah. 
But you think that didn't still, still put I him under think, Regal? Yeah, I still think Chivalry was the, the golden boy. <laughs> Poor Verity. <laughs> yeah. Verity oh. was fine with it. But what about Regal is it that makes him love him so? I don't... It's charismatic. Reminds him of himself, maybe. I don't know. You know, maybe. Maybe that's what it is. It's like a narcissistic thing. I don't know. I don't like it. <laughs> Give me another one. Okay. What do you got? Um, why doesn't Chade spy on Galen 24-7? Especially after what he does to Fitz, knowing that he, like, hurt him in some way that wasn't fair. And he knows it's not fair because Burek got involved. Galen's probably... Well, first of all, like, doesn't he live in a tower somewhere? I don't know. I thought I thought I heard that Galen lived in a tower. I could be wrong. Um, but I thought that he lived in a tower, so I doubt that the walls are thick enough, or like 20 feet thick, to have a passageway <laughs> up there. Fair. Um, two, they could make most... him thick and say insulation. <laughs> <laughs> it's cold outside in the winter. Yeah. Um, two, I think that every like all the planning that galen would do would be super boring to watch because he's just gonna be skilling right like he can just like talk directly to regal's mind fair enough um i don't know maybe he was just maybe he did but he couldn't like catch it out because of this okay i mean i don't know i just feels like an oversight like He's obviously a shady character, but you're right. He does do a lot of his planning via skill, so it'd be hard to and also, figure out what's going on at without At some point, skill. you kind of have to trust the people that are appointed in your royal court to help your defense of the kingdom if you have a bunch of other stuff on your plate. That's fair. That's so, a good point, actually. If they weren't at war, he probably would be watching yeah. closer. I don't know. My other question on this subject, though, is do you think he ever went in Galen's room when he wasn't there to read the skill scrolls? Or do you think he just left it alone because that's not for him? He's a bastard. Probably. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't think so. Um, He just doesn't seem like somebody to, like, self-punish or to not do something just because he shouldn't. <laughs> I don't see, like I said, like if he, if it is in a tower, of the skill scrolls and stuff, I don't see Chade walking through the castle mm-hmm. at all. He pretty much uses just the, the, the network of tunnels to get around. I think because he doesn't want he's lady time. Yeah. Unless he's lady time. So I, I don't think he would, he would mm-hmm. go up there. And again, I'm basing pretty much everything around the fact that Galen lived in a tower which I am not certain on. <laughs> but either yeah, way. That's fair. Okay, so in the vein of skill, do you think when Verity is skilling to directly to Ketrickin's mind, yeah. that she could tell how vulnerable Verity was in that moment? Or did she just, like, was she just h- happy that he had, like, in person, quote unquote, stood in front of her and apologized for the death of, death of her brother and proclaimed his innocence with his own voice. I think that he actually let her into his mind a little bit. Um, let me go back to that passage real quick. Because I just I was thinking about it because Fitz says something about him being vulnerable in that moment and open to him or open to her. And 
how it was like a big deal. But I was thinking about it. And if you're not trained in the skill, you wouldn't understand necessarily how vulnerable leaving your whole mind open to a stranger is. Like a jewel opening was the light in Verity's heart as he exposed it to her that she might know she had not been given to a murderer. Selflessly, he made himself vulnerable to her, giving trust to build trust. Um, that second line there, the, uh, he made himself vulnerable to her, giving trust to build trust, makes Mm -hmm. me think that he let her at least... I mean, I don't know how much she would understand of that contact, but he, like, opened himself up to make her realize and understand that what he was saying was true. Mm. Enough of, like, the intent, his thoughts, something along those lines. Or, like, showing her when he found out or something. Yeah, something. A genuine surprise. And sorrow, probably, because I'm sure he liked Rurisk. Rurisk seems like a pretty likable guy. Yeah. yeah. To the good brothers. I don't think Regal liked him. (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I was just curious about that. Um, Okay, so my next question. Does Ehad poison people that stand in his way to power like Shrewd does? Because we kind of talked about how we think his sister is like the Chade of his kingdom. And she does know poisons, we know. She knows poisons. I don't think that he does. And I don't think she is, like, an assassin. Mm. Um, I think she's more, like, the spy master and just knows those things because it's knowledge. Yeah. And the Mountain Kingdom is all about, one, preserving important knowledge, and two, about living things. So I think, mm. like, knowledge of plants is very important to them. Right. And, like, Ketrikan and Rursk, like, Ketrikan mentions that part of her training was to know all the plants in like the garden and stuff. Yeah. I think King Ayad, like he's even reluctant to cut down trees or yeah. use fallen trees for timber. <laughs> so I don't think in any way that he would uh, call for an assassination hmm. unless it was justice, like a murder, like a, a justice killing for a murderer or something like that. Hmm. He wouldn't call for like a poisoning. I don't think. Or like an old person that, because uh, according to some myth in the Six Duchies, the old people die quietly in the woods alone. So right. maybe, like, he mercy kills them. <laughs> he, like, well, sends his assassin well, out, I so don't... it's a quick death. <laughs> well, <laughs> Do you know how long it takes to starve to death? That's like a week. And if you're old, that would be awful. In the Mountain Kingdom, it would be hypothermia. Oh, that's true. But that's... I guess you would just fall asleep. I feel like yeah. hypothermia would be the least worst way to go. Yeah, true. I mean, it would be terrible until, like, 30 minutes before you die, and then you feel all warm, and then you fall asleep. I mean, I would not want to die in any horrible way, but (laughs) but of the natural natural disasters. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. My second to final question. Why doesn't anyone talk about chivalry to Fitz? Why are no stories brought up? And whenever they are, people are like shocked because they're like, oh, yeah, I just thought you'd know. It seems like everybody has that reaction. It's never asks. And they all assume <laughs> that, I mean, he would hear about it from someone. Birk's not going to talk about feelings and stories and stuff. He does at the end because they went through a near death experience together. Uh-huh. <laughs> but like, I don't know. It's probably 
not good form to talk about the because remember like every early on in the book it says um once chivalry moved to withy woods it's like everybody forgot about him mm-hmm. and then when he died it's like it passed immediately because he was out of the way he was no longer a prince like didn't really matter yeah. i feel like it's kind of that in everyone's mind it's like oh someone should have told you but he's not on anybody's mind at the moment so who cares that's fair okay that's like less bad than what i was thinking of people when writing that question (laughs) what were you thinking well i don't know i was just thinking that everybody was like still mad at him still mad at chivalry for not like staying on as king or something and so Uh. they're like taking it out on fits which wouldn't be the first time misplaced anger went to fits. What was the general populace's reaction to chivalry stepping down? People were disappointed because they didn't think Verity is as good of a king. They were um, disappointed in him for having a kid and disappointed in him for leaving the throne. Were they disappointed in him for having a kid that badly? Like, I don't remember. I don't think it was, like, that bad, but I think people were still, like, shocked and like how Mm. could you you were chivalry (laughs) yeah i remember like the shocked part like you're supposed to be chivalrous and what is that like Mm -hmm. i don't know interesting but also i was wondering if maybe he gets told more than we know and it's like the fool stories where like occasionally he'll drop that like he and the fool talk all the time but we've only seen them talk together like twice yeah so maybe it's like something that he older him is keeping for himself he doesn't Mm -hmm. want to share his dad with the general reader. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Before your final question, okay. I'm going to slip one in edgewise here. What's your favorite chapter that we've covered? Mm. Your favorite podcast episode even <laughs> that we've done. I don't know. I can't think like episode wise per se. Yeah, me either. It's, it's kind of hard cause it, I mean, it's all one book, mm-hmm. so it's hard, even though we've done these chapter by chapter, I don't really remember when things fall. <laughs> um, but all of our like really long episodes, which is a lot of them, but <laughs> all of them that are above like an hour and a half were really good, I feel like, because those chapters were just full of things to talk about. Yeah. I, I think I like the chapters where we talk about forging. Mm, yeah where we're introduced to the idea and concept and like everybody's trying to figure it out i think those were enjoyable just to relive the shock horror of like what could possibly go wrong if we don't pay them to kill our people right i don't know i think my overall favorite had to be what was it chapter oh i can't remember is it chapter four or something or is it way after i don't remember the numbers the chapter before um, the chapter titled Lady Patience, where we learn it's Lady Patience, where he runs into her. <laughs> That's and a good is, chapter, like, drunk actually. And, uh-huh. Yeah. Not a great first impression. Yeah. I love that one. That's, That's a, a really one. funny one. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The, or the, the one where we talk about where Fitz is, the chapter about Fitz having a happy childhood for like one summer yeah that i like that one just because it's nice that fitz is happy and has friends his own age for like mm-hmm. a solid second <laughs> is that the same chapter mm. isn't beric gone so oh, he has maybe, like the run maybe that of is the, the same chapter. He, run, he has the run of the stables and he's come he comes back drunk from hanging out with dirk and carrie that's maybe that is yeah 
I was and meets Lady Patience for the first time in the kitchens. Yeah, I guess. I or is that I? It's one of those. He has like two sections where he has like a happy, mm-hmm. solid. There chunk are of time. two happy <laughs> chapters in the whole book. <laughs> oh, we should have done a count of how many happy and how many oh, sad. No. <laughs> oh well. I should have been marking those. Next book. <laughs> next book, we'll we'll add them all up so far. <laughs> the like zero happy next book. Yeah. Can't wait. No, he has a good chapter or two he with Molly. A, yeah, he's a couple good chapters with Molly, I think. <laughs> so. Okay, so my final question for you about the book as a whole is about the fool. Where did all the colorful items in the fool's room come from? I think he did them himself. But from what material? Wood. Or clay or something. I don't know. Hmm. Or he... He couldn't have brought them with him. No. Based off of what we know later. Yeah, unless he had like a small chest, like a couple items. Or like paint. (laughs) He brought paint with him. I mean, he could could buy paint, I think. Or make his own. Gifted paint. Yeah. I don't know if Kingstrude pays him, but he could, if he does, he could buy stuff from some merchants and things like that. Um, Traveling people. Um, I guess they could also are, be gifts from Shrewd. Yeah, they could be. There are traders that come from... Um, Faraway places. Yeah. Bing uh, from Bingtown. So they could have had a couple things. I'm sure he carved a few of them himself, but I don't know right. about the doll that looked lifelike. That was like of a yeah. like a ceramic or something. I'm not sure. Yeah. Maybe he had that doll with him. But I, I can't know. imagine that he did. I know. It just it was so it's so odd because it doesn't seem like a priority of the duchies to care about art. Right. In some ways Regal seems to like art, but I think he likes it more in the fact that it shows the wealth that yes. he has yeah, rather yeah. than the actual art itself. Yeah. And I don't think Shrewd cares about art. So it'd be weird for him to like pick that as a gift for his fool. Right. I think, and maybe not. Maybe Shrewd is like a better person than I'm giving him credit for. Um, especially when it comes to the fool. But I don't know. But also, just off that vein, does the fool give Shrewd prophecies? Do you think, like things that he remembers that could potentially pertain to this kingdom? I think, like, yeah, I think so. I think things that would help him at least, um, mm-hmm. but also things that would primarily help the fool in his vision right. to get dragons back in the world and put the world back on a better track. Mm-hmm. Um, I think primarily he attached himself to Shrewd, one, because he gave him safety, mm-hmm. and two, because he needed to be there for a farseer, yeah. and three, because... He liked Shrewd. Yeah. He has a lot of loyalty to Shrewd. He yeah. always refers to Shrewd as his king. Yeah. In the same way that Fitz has so much loyalty to Verity. It's there's, really interesting. There's a passage. Uh, it must be in the Tawny Man trilogy. I think we found it in one of the earlier episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, that the fool is describing his journey. Um, and when he first met Shrewd. And... When Shrewd says, you can sleep, like, by my fire or whatever in my room, the fool is anticipating something else, and right. he just goes to bed next to the fire in Shrewd's room, and that's it. Yeah. So I think the fool really found safety with Shrewd and is forever grateful for that. Yeah. 
Shrude is not someone who ridicules him. Right. It's real, which is interesting because Shrude doesn't feel like a nice for nicety's sake person. <laughs> like he's not just a kind guy. It doesn't feel. I mean, he I does try we, to do things. We don't know him very That's well. That's true. We only know him through Fitz's narrative, and through Fitz's narrative, he's a big old jerk. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, not he's to a, Fitz, but to me, <laughs> he's, he's a big old. Yeah, he's a big old jerk in the last half of the book. He's benevolent for a specific reason in mm-hmm. the beginning. Right. And so that's what I mean. It's like he is kind of fits because it serves a purpose. Right. What purpose does being kind of the fool? I mean, maybe he believes the prophecy, believes that he is a yeah. prophet and has always believed that, which seems odd because he doesn't seem to be overly religious in any outward way that it's another we're tool. aware of. It makes remember the, the mm-hmm. line. I just thought of this. Remember the line where um, I think Chade is like. uh you know, I don't think the skill can can make you read minds, but um, Shrewd likes likes to think or likes to make everybody think so, mm-hmm. just to make everyone else uncomfortable. Uh huh. I think since the fool makes everyone uncomfortable and off puts everybody else, Shrewd likes him for that reason. Mm. Even if that's the only service that the fool is providing, yeah. besides like a, a witty companion that likes him back, I think that's enough. Interesting. He serves his purpose. That's okay. That's a good way to look at his outlook, I guess, is that things need to have a purpose, not necessarily a grand scheme like Fitz becoming an assassin, but it's cheap for for Shrewd to give him food and a shelter, maybe an allowance or something, and then have him around to maybe drop some wisdom once in a while. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. He's a king. He can afford those things to get a valuable person. We did get um, a, a thought or a topic to think about from somebody on our Instagram story. Oh, both of us we, feel so bad. We didn't screenshot it. And we wrote down the question, or I wrote yeah. down the question, but I forgot to put who asked the question. And then the story ran out of and, time. And then Lu- so. Luke was like, hey, who has that question? And I was like, uh... <laughs> So, so, so sorry for uh, <laughs> for who asked this, um, but they were uh, asking for our thoughts on the winged elderlings and the winged creatures on the tapestries and how that relates to Tymara, Thymara? Tymara? Tymara? Is how I, like... Tymara? That's fine. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. We'll do Tymara. Uh, just quick side note, Robin Hod said... And I quote, pronounce, you can pronounce characters however you'd like to. That might not be their direct quote, but <laughs> close <laughs> enough. She said we can pronounce them however. Um, that was tweeted at us. Yeah. <laughs> that was in response to... Um... Of course, a snarky reply on my end. I feel so embarrassed. Yeah. I didn't think Robin Hobb would read it. <laughs> we had um, a fan tweet at us. A like, long time ago. Also, yes, sorry. I just, I just figured out how Twitter mentions work so i'm very sorry illiterate at twitter basically yeah i like twitter on my personal account but i don't like i have like 20 followers on my regular account like i don't (laughs) i'm not an influencer by any means so i don't know (laughs) nobody's ever tweeting at me um so i figured out how mentions work this week (laughs) so if you tweet at us i won't ever miss it again um but we had a follower steven 
tweeted us a video of the way Robin Hobb pronounces Burek. Which is Burek. Yes. She says Burek. Yeah. And, you know, I replied in a jovial manner (laughs) that hearing her say it that way makes sense, but it feels weird after reading it in my head a, a different way. And obviously she made it up, so she's correct. But on some level, I disagree. And then she replied (laughs) to that. (laughs) And it is, and I quote, for real this time, you are allowed to pronounce any of the characters' names any way you like. So thus ends all of our arguments over what's the correct way. We're all right. We're doing (laughs) Tamara? Yes. Tamara. All right. Tamara? I don't know. We'll figure it out when we get there. Tamara. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you, whoever sent in that um, that topic to discuss on Instagram. Again, sorry that we didn't record who sent it. Yes. If you um, DM us and let us know it was you, we'll make sure to give you credit next episode. Yes. Um, but I I briefly thought about this, but it was a great topic to bring up because we never really touched on it too closely mm-hmm. or delved into it too far um my i think you guys may have gathered throughout all these episodes my thoughts are on on the the tapestries that they're wrong artist depictions basically of either elderlings that they didn't know how to draw or dragons that they were partially forged of the memory of mm-hmm. um so everything was kind of just like a little off um, but it brings up a interesting thought. Was uh, Tamara Tamara the yeah. uh, first elderling with wings? I thought I remember hearing that somewhere in the Rainwild Chronicles, but that could just be um, it wasn't in the memories of the dragons who were around her. Yes, and we know that those dragons don't have full memories. Yeah. They don't, some of them don't have any memory <laughs> and that the dragons are malformed. So we just, there's no way to know if it's truly the first person ever created to look like that. Yeah. Or, so yeah, that's why, that's why I never like fully linked the two in my head, the tapestries mm-hmm. and, or the depictions and Timera because I was always just took it at face value, like, oh, she's the first one ever to have wings, which doesn't make sense now that I think of it, because dragons are so self-centered that they want everything (laughs) to look like them. So I figured someone somewhere has made an elderling with wings. (laughs) Although, I mean, we do have traces of the skill pillars showing us elderling villages and nobody ever remarks Mm. on seeing a winged villager that's true which i feel like would stick out unless all of them have wings and nobody said anything and but and also we we don't get to see every single person in that there's no way to know if like other destroyed elderling villages had people with wings like if that was a specialty of one of the dragons or a group of the dragons or something um but at least for Kelsingra, I don't think there would have been any others just because I feel like it would have been brought up by somebody having the skill memories or the skill stone memories. Yeah. Yeah. But the... that's a cynic in me. I would love to have there be a multiple people with wings. That's really cool. 
that's I guess that's why I'm, I think that in the tapestries and things, they're just depictions of dragons, mm-hmm. and they're depicted as bipedal people, and they almost get it right because um, King Wisdom was gonna go talk to yeah. these people to get help or whatever and then dragons came and flew over and they're like oh maybe we'll conflate the two together and it's winged people and maybe i mean maybe it's bipedal because that's like a way to convey that they talked right that's Um, true yeah because dragons can talk to people yeah um not everyone can hear it but we don't know if back in the day people could hear them more if that's like a skill that's dying out and that's why some people in this series can't hear them we just don't know which um, ones? Which ones do we see winged? It's the one in Fitz's room and the one in, uh, in the Mountain Kingdom, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Did the uh, drawing that Chade had in his uh, room have wings on the Elderlings, or no? There was that little intro when Fitz was looking at his cluttered desk. And he was describing, oh, Chade usually has some random scroll out, <laughs> and this time it was an elderling with, like, a picture and a description. Did he have wings in that one? I don't know. I don't remember when that was either, so. <laughs> so I found a description of the tapestry in Fitz's room. I could make out a gleaming and winged creature of some sort, and a kingly personage in supplication before it. I was later informed that it was King Wisdom being befriended by the Elderling. And the scrolls in Chade's room says, um, One tablet, older and more elaborate than the rest, depicted an elderling as a sort of gilded bird with a manlike head crowned with quillish hair. So I'm guessing that had wings as well. Yeah, that would sound like it. Some sort of gilded bird. The Mountain Kingdom description says that it is eaten away, by, the elderling is eaten away by moths and... All that's left is maybe a wing. <laughs> it looks like a wing of some type. Yeah, so all three depictions have wings. And I still, I mean, it could be just all the other wings in the past had wings, but again, we don't see anything or hear anything about Kelsingra or the memories in Treyhog having any wings. Yeah. Um, it could just be the artist's depiction of someone who is blessed by a dragon. Right. Like, they didn't know how else to do it, so they drew a person with dragon features, to, but, like, exaggerated dragon features because scaly skin would be hard to draw on a small scale. Right. So, <laughs> so that's, I don't Yeah, know. that's definitely true. Yeah, and, I think in and some maybe way... Not. Maybe they just were wrong. <laughs> right. I think in some way it's it's art or artist interpretation and artist not really error because you can't really have error in the yeah. way that you're drawing something but well it's definitely hard to know because the dragons are gone like gone whenever right. king wisdom wisdom is yeah. in power right they Who's the one that took over? Taker. Duh. King, <laughs> King Taker 
is also after dragons have disappeared. Oh, was it? Yeah, the the dragon encapsulated in ice was the last oh, dragon. Yeah. And that is well yeah, uh, right. frozen over, I'm sure, in his time. And so dragons aren't a real thing. Skill Skill users had to have still been around because there's all these statues and people in Wisdom's time were making the skill statues. So some sort of knowledge had to have been passed down, but I don't know where they would have gotten it because the Islanders sure don't know how to do that. They don't know where Kelsingra is. So maybe elderlings did survive longer than the dragons. We know that they have longer lives, but we don't know how much longer. And without a dragon to keep up the internal damages happening. I don't know. Right. So it's re- it's really hard to tell how any of this information even got passed with the timeline that we know. Could have been myth back in King Wisdom's day too. That's true. And then he just took a chance cuz he had to. They I don't saw know. some writing. Yeah. Not everything was destroyed yet. I don't know. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of stuff we don't know because it's myth in the time that we're reading right now. And we already yeah. don't know a lot of the stuff about the things that we're reading right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so too bad there's not like some bedtime story that Chade tells him or something about the elderlings. Yeah. I don't know. Well, thanks so much for uh, submitting that topic. Yeah. That's great. All right. Then just a, a quick follow up. Um, on last episode, we have V asking us on Instagram, uh, do you think the shield was red with blood required to activate stone dragon, uh, activate the stone dragons on the tapestry? Uh, talking about King Wisdom's tapestry mm-hmm. and um, with, with the Elderling in the Mountain Kingdom. I think that was from chapter 24. Yes. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Actually, that's really smart. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I really like that answer. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I remember you were kind of stuck on the red shield. Yeah. That you didn't think it was King Wisdom then. Well, it, be, it just it doesn't seem to be the colors of the kingdom. And I mean, right, it's been right. a couple of years, so colors change. I'm sure every millennia. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how long it takes or if they do change. But it just felt feels weird that we are so stuck on colors of kingdoms in this series. Um and then to have somebody that's supposed to be a farseer that is wearing red instead. So I think yeah. it makes way more sense if it's supposed to signify blood. It's supposed to pop out because, hey, those aren't our colors. But Yeah, I like that too quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I was, yeah, I was kind of thinking like, I was just ignoring the red actually. I wasn't even <laughs> thinking about it. But the, the blood does make sense. Yeah. That's great. Have anything else to wrap up this book with? I don't think so. <laughs> thank you so much for taking along and uh, listening along with us um thank you for everyone who has listened along with us as we've as we've read and uh hope you stick around for um two weeks from now royal assassin we're gonna take a one week break here um just kind of prevent burnout hopefully and <laughs> uh keep going on after that so um not this uh, next Friday, but the one after, we will be releasing our first episode for Royal Assassin. Get pumped. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to jump to book two. I know. 
It feels like we just started. I know. It, it actually isn't that long. I uh, I shouldn't be saying that because we have a long way to go, but uh, yes. it, it feels short so far. <laughs> so far. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you. Thanks, guys. So before we go, <laughs> we have to do a little... <laughs> Thank you, shout outs, um, and pet corner. Uh, Pet corner. (laughs) Uh, Wit corner. Yes. Wit partner corner. I don't know if bugs count as a like wit partner. I don't don't know either. I don't know. Either way, uh, this week's pet (laughs) was sent in by Joni, and it is a little bug, and I think it's a stick bug. I'm sorry. I don't know bugs very well, Um, but his name is Stick Chivalry Farseer, so... I just thought it was a very clever name. I'm pretty sure it's a stick bug, but <laughs> thank you for sending in the cute picture. Loved it. And then we also wanted to say thank you to all the beautiful and wonderfully nice messages we got on Facebook um, from you guys. It was really nice. Some people saying that they have really enjoyed the podcast so far and that you guys have really just liked hearing our points of view and it's just it's always nice like i don't know it's nice getting complimented i like it (laughs) um but so thank you so much it it does make our day better and it is it does make it more fun whenever we get sit down to do this to know that you guys do like what we have to say and that you like us so it's fun having internet friends (laughs) 